Hey, ProducerCast family, welcome to episode 163 of ProducerCast, where we turn producers into pros. I'm your host, Andrew, and today we're going to talk about copyright infringement. How does it actually work? We're going to dive right in. Okay, so I'm going to be entirely honest. I think in the vast majority of cases, copyright infringement is really just the silliest thing. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense unless you're directly sampling somebody's work. You're basically asking a jury of people who don't know music theory, a jury of people who don't understand the industry to make a decision about whether or not a song was copyright infringement. On top of that, the whole process is really just crazy. The laws aren't very clear around it. Um, it, It's decided more by court history than it is by actual laws. So really, when we talk about this, like we're basically talking about a system that is essentially kind of just like made up and and really decided more by arguments than it is by facts. Um, And that being said, you know, there, there are definitely those cases that are like very clearly copyright infringement. Like if you take somebody's master recording, if if you take, um, you know, like a, a song from Kanye West and distribute it as your own song, that's very clearly copyright infringement. If uh, you take a producer's beat and record vocals over it without their um, agreement to that, that's clearly copyright infringement. If you sample somebody's work, that's clearly copyright infringement. But the majority of the cases where there's this kind of like suggestion that there's copyright infringement, it's really just not clear. Like I I think of... um, uh, I mean, just so many cases where, like, you know, they, they claim that there was a sample, but it wasn't clearly a sample. Like, you know, if it's a synthesizer, like, and it's a pretty simple synth melody, you, I think it's really hard to claim that it was a sample. But, like, those kind of cases have been won before. And uh, really, you know, it, it's just, like, usually not relevant. It usually doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I think when you have a hit record, it, it kind of becomes a target for people to look at and uh, try to sue like I think of one where like um, some country artist tried to sue Lil Nas X after Old Town Road for a song on YouTube that he didn't even make money off of that like wasn't even clearly sampled like you know it was just like a mixtape song but he was trying to sue him for all the royalties of Old Town Road like ridiculous like I think 10 million dollar lawsuit clearly got thrown out because the, the whole thing was made up like you can't just claim rights to everything that a person's ever done because of copyright infringement it's only relevant to that one song but like you know if you have a hit record you can kind of become a target for that sort of thing and uh, I, I think there's just not like really a lot of understanding about the the law behind it with musicians right so like you know you look at it and it kind of just seems like all right somebody stole from me I'm upset with somebody I've got beef I I want to uh I want to basically, you know, accuse them of copyright infringement. I want to uh, file a copyright strike. I want to file YouTube strikes. And, you know, the major labels do this all the time. It's like whack-a-mole, right? Like, you you know, if you are, like, representing Travis Scott, right, every single day somebody uploads, many people upload, like, Snapchats, Instagram stories, tweets with – with like, you know, Travis Scott playing in the background, or even you've got people on YouTube who like upload Travis Scott and try to run ad revenue on it. Um, So, you know, like that's a real problem. And and that's like one side of copyright infringement, but like the whole like legal court case side is pretty crazy. The DMCA court side, 
or the, the DMCA filing process is pretty crazy. Like if you're an independent artist and you want to file a copyright strike against somebody, it's going to cost you $199. And most songs in, in the underground, like the vast majority of songs in the underground do not make $199. Like, you, you know, it's, uh, it, even if it did, like you, you're not getting that money by filing the strike. Like say like somebody did get like a couple hundred thousand streams and there, there's like some, some money there. By filing the copyright strike, all you're going to do is get the song taken down. You're not going to get any of that money. You're just going to throw away money so that somebody else has to throw away money, right? So it's, I usually think it's better to, to sort that sort of thing out um, with, with, you know, like words without getting into a whole legal process. Just because the legal process costs so much money. It's, it's so expensive. It uh, just doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't benefit every, anybody. Like, you know, if you're really looking for the best outcome for everybody, it's going to be to find some way to settle it, find some way to, to squash whatever beef. Um, and you, you know, like, again, there are those really clear cases of copyright infringement. Like, uh, I was recently talking to a, a producer who, uh, posted a song by a, a, a major artist, not even, they didn't post a song. Like they, they were driving around in their car and the song was playing on the radio in the car. And like, they had a video of them driving around in the car. Like the song was like quietly playing in the background. And they filed a DMCA strike against him. Uh, I mean, not really a strike, but they, they filed a DMCA claim against him. The the tweet got removed. It was just a tweet. Like, you know, tweets aren't monetized. Uh, they, like, you know, it's a crazy thing to think that somebody actually spent money or spent time to um, file that copyright claim, uh, you know, for something that isn't monetizable, that honestly is giving exposure to the song that was being played. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a, I, I haven't really looked too deep into this, but I, I think that major labels have, um, you know, like kind of bulk deals with DMCA claims where, where they can basically just file a bunch of them because they're like, you know, doing it so frequently, they don't have to process all this information. It's a little easier to just kind of file them with, without having to go through the big like paperwork process that would cost an independent artist $200 or so. Um, for, for a major label, they can just kind of do it. Right. You know, it's, they've got the systems in place to, to make it happen quickly. But, you know, I was telling this producer like, all right, so they filed a copyright claim against you. You know, like what it really is, is because the artist doesn't know they're just, it's some paper pusher who wants to tell the artist, Hey, I filed 75 copyright claims today and got 75 illegal uses of your song taken down. And like, honestly, I think it's kind of counterproductive because that, that was free exposure for the artist. It wasn't monetized. It wasn't like, you know, claiming to be its own. I, I think it was fair use, honestly. Like, I think if you took it to a court case instead of just playing the internet game with the DMCA, like it, there, there's no court case there, right? You know, it, it was clearly fair use of like a tweet with audio in the background. And even if they did win, you know, how much money the tweet made? zero dollars so like they can maybe get like two hundred dollars in damages you know like that that's really like i think the the most plausible situation and that sort of thing is like that even if the case was one it's like it's like that time that uh um donald trump had the afl uh, was it the afl or the uh usfl like you know a, a, another football league and um he won a court case against the nfl for uh, for like shady business practices of some sort, like, you know, basically trying to intervene with, um, with like fair competition, you know, as like an antitrust type thing. And, 
the 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 court said, okay, you win, but they they awarded him a dollar in damages, right? So like, if you're getting a dollar in damages paid to you for a whole football league, like, what what do you think the court is going to give you for a tweet or for an independent song with like ten thousand streams, right? So uh, you know, that that's really just not my thoughts on copyright infringement. Like, you know, if I, I personally wouldn't ever go about about it unless like, you know, somebody was stealing my beats. Sure. I'll, I'll go and tell them, take it down. I'll send a cease and desist letter. That's the easiest thing to do. That's what I mean. Like the, the easiest thing to do is to settle it outside of the legal system or the DMCA system. The, the easiest thing to do is to send a cease and desist letter. If they don't cease and desist, then you file a strike on the platform. So like, you know, if it's YouTube, I can go file a YouTube strike. If it's, um, if it's on the DSPs, then I might consider doing the DMCA strike, right? But that's a clear case where I wrote the music. I created the music. The, the master recording, the underlying instrumental of the master recording is mine. The songwriting is mine. The composition is mine. All that is mine. So if somebody steals that, like, that's a very clear thing. And that, that's a place where, like, all right, it, it might be worth considering filing some sort of strike, um, it, it's expensive. It, it's really like a shame that, you know, it, it's difficult to do because it, it really does make it more of a challenge. Like, do I really want to spend $200 to uh, file a strike against somebody who didn't pay for the beat, but it has like five monthly listeners on Spotify? No, I, I really don't. And like, you know, if they start to get more traction I'll, I'll, I'll send a cease and desist letter like you know that's the easiest thing in my experience that that pretty much always works i usually don't even do it right because like you know i i see it as free exposure in some ways you know if it's a beat that was sold as an exclusive and somebody else is using it illegally then there's a problem because you know like it, it's basically uh affecting the contractual situation there right but Overall, you know, like copyright infringement, it's it's the craziest thing. Like there's these clear cases um, that are, are like, you know, the DMCA, the DMCA really handles more real cases than the courts do. The courts handle like millionaires fighting with each other over uh, three notes and a melody, like, you know, and it's for, for millions of dollars. Like, you know, it's, it's absurd. Um, you know, there's a lot of like precedents around it. Like, you know, like did the, uh, did the, offender the um what, what, what's the word the uh the the defendant did the did the defendant have um access is it like you know how similar is it is it like a striking similarity is it uh somewhat similar and like all, all these different things come together that they, they like you know go in and basically just play the songs back and forth for each other for a jury to who knows nothing about music theory they don't know what they're listening for like the songs could be in two different keys two different tempos and they might think it's the same melody because they have no idea what they're doing but the legal system just allows them to make that kind of decision so uh you know basically i, I mean thankfully like you know it, it is i I, I'm, I may be being a, a little bit uh over the top here because like they are going to break it down for, for a jury that doesn't understand music theory. Right. Like, you know, they're going to say like, you know, these are in different keys. These are different scales. This is a different chord progression. This is a different melody. Like obviously the defense will bring all that evidence. And a lot of these cases do get thrown out. It's not like you can just go sue somebody and they're going to hand you money. Like it's a long arduous process with a lot of roadblocks on either side. So, um, 
you know, I, I really, my, my opinion is just, you know, the, the music industry should try to move away from that kind of thing as much as possible. But as long as there's million dollars, millions of dollars to be gained by suing a famous artist, like I think it'll probably continue as long as people have beef. The DMCA strikes will continue as long as people have uh, have the desire to steal people's music. The DMCA strikes will continue as long as paper pushers at record labels need to tell artists and managers that they filed whatever quota of copyright strikes to keep their job, the DMCA strikes will continue. So it's really just part of the industry. I just want to make sure that you're informed of it and you understand it, like really both the, the technical side of it, as well as like just kind of looking at it from, from a bird's eye view of what's really going on with, with these kind of situations. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was basically it for today's episode. God bless. I'll hear you next time.